You know what I just thought would have been great is if you set all of these things that happened this week to the music of Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire. <laughs> is anybody Hello and welcome to the Collier Democratic Roundup, the official podcast of the Collier County Democratic Party. I am Jeff Spencer and I am the vice chair of the Collier Democratic Party and the host of this podcast. This is a special episode of the Roundup. Uh, we are getting together, Amber, Linda, and I, to talk about the hurricane of news that has been this last week. We have had Basically, just a natural disaster of news coming out of Washington, D.C. and the Trump administration. The Atlantic article from last week where Trump calls fallen soldiers losers and suckers. The CDC tells states that a vaccine may be ready by November 1st, quickly followed by Dr. Fauci and the director of the National Institute of Health saying that uh, don't count on that. Michael Cohen released a ton of details from his new book outlining a ton of stuff, including that Trump is the one who told the National Enquirer to publish the story about Ted Cruz's father participating in the assassination of JFK, and then culminating today on Wednesday the 9th when just looking at the New York Times front page this morning, and it is basically just crazy. Uh, A whistleblower came out and alerts Congress that the Department of Homeland Security is downplaying Russia and white supremacist threats. The Justice Department decides to intervene on behalf of President Trump regarding a defamation suit. Trump announces that Ted Cruz and Tom Cotton are on his list of Supreme Court nominations if an opening should come up. And Bob Woodward released audio tapes of Trump admitting to knowing how bad the coronavirus was in February while he publicly told people it was a hoax and it would all go away. So, guys, I got to say, this week has been one hell of a week. Yeah. Oh, you know what? You forgot one thing that also came out this week. And, you know, in any other news cycle, this would probably be major news. But, you know, you kind of sweep them under the rug when there's so much. But Louis DeJoy, it came out that he, who was the postmaster (laughs) general, came out with the story about how he was essentially, I don't know, bribing is the right word, but giving his employees incentives to make donations to Republican parties to the amount of millions of dollars and then reimburse them via bonuses and other methods. Yeah, so. he was basically laundering money through his employees to benefit the Republican Party. Yeah. Just crazy amount of news this week. So what do you guys want to talk about? Seriously, I mean, like, that's a smorgasbord of, of awfulness to, to really take in. So what do you... Well, I think maybe we should just dive into the Woodward tapes. Yeah, that seems to be the most front and center. Well, front and center right now, because there's been other people that have been cooperating um, Trump's super nasty attitude for the past couple weeks. Um, But, you know, we have actual tapes now. So I have been finding it funny how um, Kaylee McEnany has been working to kind of obfuscate what these tapes you know say so I can only laugh I can only laugh because um you know so I specifically love this this great little quote I'm just going to dive into it if you guys don't mind because I thought it was wonderful so when Woodward asked him about the virus he says 
you just breathe in the air and that's how it's passed. And so that's a very tricky one. That's a very delicate one. It's also more deadly than even your strenuous flu. So guys, is there anything that could potentially not explain what he means to say in that <laughs> yeah like how do you how do you rework that and how do you spin that yeah how do you spin it how do you repackage that how do you say and, it's something other than what exactly it is and i think it's important to know i believe that that quote was on february 7th if i'm not mistaken i know there were several major quotes that came out but i think that one um was the february 7th quote so we're talking a full month before even there was a remote inkling from the White House that maybe this was something to consider. And I mean, if you look back at what a month could have done to stop what we are seeing now, I mean, so I mean, obviously, I'm sure they're going to spin it. They're going to spin it, but I, I... they're not going to spin. They're just going to lie. There, there is no spin. There's no right. way to say this. They're just going to lie and say it's not what it is. And not that that would be any different than what they've done on a lot of other things. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, we've outlined this back in one of a couple of the first episodes of this podcast that we put out back in March when we were talking heavily about the coronavirus and everything that was going on. And we were outlining President Trump's efforts throughout February to downplay the severity of the of the virus. And one of the things that we said was going to be their main argument was going to be, how could he have known? Nobody knew. Nobody knew how bad it was. I mean, that's what we were talking about in March, that the argument yep. that Republicans would make would be, would be that, well, you can't hold him accountable because nobody knew how bad it was. Now we have him on tape saying he knew how bad it was a full month before it ever really became a significant issue here in the United States. And he spent that entire month of February going to rallies, telling everybody it was a hoax, that it would miraculously go away, that we had it completely un under control. And now to find out that not only did he know, but we found out later in March, I believe it was March 17th, another interview that Bob Woodward has on tape in which he says, I'm playing it down. I'm playing down the severity. Now he claims in that audio that he's playing it down to not spur a panic, but I mean, was he really? Because I, I seem to remember back in March, nobody could get any toilet paper. Yes. It wasn't exactly like we were all just hunky dory calm in that moment. You know, president Trump, is just so, it's just so incompetent. Like, I don't know that you could find someone who is, who is this bad at his job. And I, and I just find it amazing that anybody can still look at this and say, yeah, I want four more years of this. I think it's important to also note because, you know, we are speaking from the platform of a democratic party. So obviously we are going to have certain opinions. However, I, you know, I hope we are able to view things somewhat unbiasedly but granted not you know you can take that for what it's worth but the majority of people who have worked with him and left his administration are 
also saying the exact same things that he is not fit to lead, that he is all he does is lie and that's he has no moral compass. I mean, over and over and over. It's not like one or two disgruntled employees. It is literally almost every single one. And what he's done is, you know, when he started in Washington, he had a certain amount of people that were already instilled in the government that he had to work with. And he either pushed them out or um, fired them and has installed loyalists to him, most of them with almost zero experience in the field that they are working in. And they are just his, his little sycophants and don't talk back about him. But all of the people, I mean, we're talking generals, we're talking lifelong public servants on both sides of the aisle are saying these things. And it's, it is shocking. It is shocking. Yeah. And I, you know, I mean, not to, to jump off the Woodward piece, but I mean, you look at the, the Atlantic article where Trump is reported to have called fallen soldiers, soldiers who had died losers and suckers, which has been corroborated by the New York times, the Washington post, even Fox news reporter was able to corroborate it on air. Uh, which the network then spent the rest of the day trying to to spin away that they were going to focus on some other aspect of it. But, you know, to your point, Amber, regarding all of these former employees or former uh, staffers within the government who have now left and, and all are saying, sounding the alarm, uh, the Atlantic article is a perfect example of that, where every single military general, General Kelly, General Mattis, all of these former officials within the uh, Trump administration, you know, the problem with some of these stories, the Woodward story, as well as the Atlantic article, is that we kind of already knew this about him. I mean, Trump spoke about John McCain and said that he liked war heroes that weren't captured. And he spoke about George H.W. Bush. He thought that he was a bad pilot because his plane went down. But I mean, his plane went down in the 58th mission in World War II. I mean, you know, and like, it's just hard to fathom how bad he is. And people listening need to just realize that uh, Republican voters are not abandoning him. None of us can, can rest easy with this flood of bad press on him uh, that, that this is somehow going to sway his voters. Because um, it's been this way for four years, and he still has a solid 42%, 43% of the American public, American voting public, behind him. So we need everybody to get involved and, uh, and stay, stay involved and stay active in trying to get every voter out there to vote. But guys, what did you think about the Atlantic article? That one seems to have kind of lasted a, a little bit, six days, until Bob Woodward's thing is probably going to eclipse it and, and make it go away. But what do you guys think of that? I, personally, I felt that the Atlantic article had a little bit more heft in it, um, even though the Bob Woodward article came with audio recordings, which which gave that a little bit more credence to some people than the Atlantic article, which primarily used anonymous sources. However, that's the whole point of corroboration is that the other news outlets are able to speak to these sources and confirm everything. Um, They're just not going on record for, obviously, fearing retaliation. 
Um, but to me, I felt like that, again, even though it doesn't seem out of the norm for us and what how we view Trump, I think that for a large number of his supporters, I, I honestly do think that might have been surprising. Now, whether they believe it or not, um, I don't know. I did read multiple accounts. These are just anecdotal accounts that you read, you know, nobody that I know personally or anything, but I did read multiple instances of military families who were supporting Trump, um, who had Trump signs out and who removed them and said, you know, I can't, I can't support him any longer. If you look at Trump supporters as though they're kind of a cult or just with a, a huge diehard following, military and military families have a have such a strong bond and such a strong family that anything that's said against them is i i think taken seriously and as much as anybody wants to say against joe biden i mean what he has done not only with his family and his son being in the military and being a military person but as vice president and all of his years working with military issues. I mean, if you look at his record, I think that speaks for itself, you know, so if you can get past the dogma that they're spewing, um, I'm hoping, and, and I know that the military times this week also reported that enlisted active duty military are actually supporting Biden over Trump. Linda, what'd you think about the Atlantic article? Well, We've been talking about this for a little bit now, and and I think every news cycle, I think I'm not going to get shocked again with what I hear (laughs) from this president. I don't know if that just goes to my innate naivete or if if my body is just rejecting this (laughs) on a daily basis and I just, you know, I don't know. I don't know how I'm processing information, but I was again sad and, and shocked to hear him talk like this. I think I think there's there's a code in our nation. There's just especially in this day and age, there's just so there's not that many things that are unimpeachable, but I feel like that our military is just one of them. If you're gonna put yourself in harm's way, I just think that that makes you a cut above just about anybody else. And so to hear him defame our military personnel like that was, was pretty shocking. And I know that he's talked about McCain and um, I know that he's, you know, talked about the generals that he's had to deal with um, in the situation room and stuff like that. And, and, you know, McCain, he didn't like, though they are of the same party, they, they clearly were, on opposite aisles. So, you know, you can, one could say, well, he just had an adversarial relationship with McCain. So, you know, that's why he would tend to spew that type of garbage in his direction. But, you know, to the faceless, to the buried, to the lost in previous wars, to, you know, anybody that had, that serves and has served to say those things are just so inconceivable. And again, you know, his base is, sticking with him saying that of course they're anonymous because they're non-existent of course this is just you know a pile of horse stew but um you know i find it really interesting that fox news's jennifer griffin 
Um, again, uh, it's so sad that this is our bar, that when Fox News corroborates a story, you hope that that would matter to the base that, we're, that we speak of so often. But Fox News' Jennifer Griffin confirmed two sources in the Atlantic Magazine story um, as being credible. And I'm not hearing much about that you know, in the Twitter debate, in the social media world, but Fox News corroborated this. So uh, everyone needs to get off their high horses and say that this isn't true. It's It's been corroborated by the people that support Trump. So I yeah. don't know, what does that say? And I also find it amusing. I don't know if that's the right word because it's really irritating, but it's it's funny that the the people who are saying, oh, you can't, the anonymous sources, you can't trust that, are literally people who, some of these people who support QAnon, which is a group that is literally about an anonymous person that's running the group. (laughs) (laughs) That is such an excellent point. Such a great point, yeah. (laughs) That is a very sensitive Don't trust anything you hear from the anonymous people, except if it's a conspiracy theory on some backroom chat room where it's Democrats are, you know, running a secret pedophile sex ring that rolls, rules the world yeah. and trying to take over the government. You can so, trust yeah. that, but, you know, multiple... Trust that. That's believable. It is an understatement to say that we are currently lacking competent and effective leadership in many areas of government. Am I right? Luckily, the Florida Democratic Party has a Democratic candidate running not only for president, but in every state Senate seat and in every state House seat but one. The Collier County Democratic Party has a volunteer force of dedicated Dems who are working hard to elect Democrats in our fair state and defeat Comrade 45 this November. We've begun a vote-by-mail initiative and we need all the help we can get. With only a short time until November, time is literally of the essence. All of our activities are safe and can be done from home, like writing postcards or making phone calls in a virtual phone bank. We have only one shot at this, so please carve out some time to help us. Go to www.callyourdems.org. That's www.callyourdems.org. And click on the Get Involved button. It's time to go to the mattresses and have no regrets come November. Speaking of conspiracy <laughs> theories and craziness of that nice, Michael Cohen released his book where he's got a ton of details and storylines, one of which is that the that President Trump was uh, directed the National Enquirer to print the story, well, actually printed print stories about all of his Republican rivals during the uh, presidential primary back in 2016 but also that he was the one who directed them to print a photo and run the story about Ted Cruz's father uh, participating in the JFK assassination. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, I you know, you, we bring up QAnon and how president Trump is willing to embrace uh, the, the, I mean, the definition of a conspiracy theory. Uh, but I, I, I mean, we shouldn't be surprised, right? I mean, four years ago he did it, uh, to great effect, and it helped him win the Republican nomination uh, for president when he when he pushed this uh, whole conspiracy theory about Ted Cruz's father. 
Yeah. If you tell me that Trump or his campaign is putting out lies to help himself, I'm like, yeah. If you told me the other, that that was not true, then I that would shock me. But no, obviously that is true. In fact, um, another, which we didn't even speak about, but this kind of goes to what you're saying in the Washington Post this week, an article about Trump and his allies are ratcheting up disinformation efforts in the late stage of the campaign. And they talk about uh, not only just some of the completely false videos, there was a video that came out last week um, with Joe Biden that was shared by the White House social media director, which showed a manipulated video showing showing Joe Biden falling asleep in an interview, which was completely pasted together and not real at all. He was just had his head down while he was listening to somebody. And you can see the original video of both parts of that interview. And one of them was a woman interviewing Harry Belafonte. And the other one was Joe Biden on a group video conference where he was listening to somebody else speak. And this is being shared by the White House social media director. So sadly, I don't, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Oh, and they also... They also took the, um, if you watched the Democratic National Convention, you saw the one um, spokesperson for Lou Gehrig's disease, who is now completely paralyzed, and he uses a, a computer to, to speak. Yes, thank you. Um, and they took a video of him speaking, and because he uses a computer voice, they could easily just change that computerized voice and changed what he said about defunding police departments, which is not what he said, and put that out. And that was like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you can't, it's, it's unbelievable. I know. He addressed that on Twitter. It was pretty shocking. I'm like, go after the guy with ALS. Super classy. This is all this week, guys. This is all yeah. this week. I know. I tend to just skip through that. I, it's so shocking what, um, what anybody with a decent computer can do these days. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. It's such the age we live in, but I know I, t- I, and I'm not good at, at going in and looking at that because I'm just like, God, this is ridiculous. Yeah, well, that's where my time better. That's oh, where Trump's going to go with like these Bob Woodward interviews and be like, that's not my voice. Somebody, somebody manipulated that. They took words that I said and, you know. Yeah, and I, 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 we, we've talked about this before with regard to whether people are listening. And, and Linda, to your, to your point, um, you know, where you're saying, you know, I kind of just move on from that. The question is really, uh, you know, the, the polling has Joe Biden up around seven points nationally. But here in the state of Florida, it's an even race. It's basically 48-48 right now. Uh, most of the polls right now are within two, three points, which is Biden up, but it's a statistical tie. And so, you know, Florida's going to be neck and neck. And um, we're going to have to see how this uh, how this plays out. I, I'm curious of whether or not people are, are are tuning in. I would imagine that the tightening of the race here means that, that, that some of those uh, undecided or, or tentative Biden voters uh, – are are tuning in and they're listening to this narrative that's mostly lies and disinformation. But um, we all need to just 
pitch in and do everything we can to try to keep this from happening. And for those of you guys who are wondering, well, what can I do? Because I know, you know, in coronavirus, it's not, I mean, you can, you can volunteer here at, at, at the Democratic Party. We're doing lit drops to get out to people. We have phone banks going on every single day. We have texting campaigns with the Biden uh, campaign. We have uh, social media opportunities that you can do. We have uh, all sorts of things that you can do and help us out with. So um, reach out on the website, www.callyourdems, D-E-M-S, org uh, when you get a chance um, and sign up to volunteer there. So let's move on to other disturbing things that happened today. <laughs> just Did today. You, just today. Literally uh, in the 24 hours. <laughs> tomorrow will be yet another uh, awful thing. But today, the whistleblower came out from the Department of Homeland Security uh, with a report uh, stating that the uh, the acting secretary of the department, Chad Wolf, instructed intelligence agents to downplay Russia's efforts to interfere in our election and to downplay the threat and risk that white supremacists and alt-right uh, national groups are are have uh, in the United States. And... Um, Guys, just yet another whistleblower. And we all know that we're five, six days away from Trump firing uh, whatever acting inspector Brian general Murphy. there may be, uh, be oh, there. Uh, so, I, you know, we, we're in this position here again where uh, yet another government employee raises the alarm and uh, calls out corruption or calls out. Uh, unlawfulness or calls out downright threats to the to the country and um, you know I want to focus on how do you guys think and I know the answer but how do you guys <laughs> think the Republicans are going to respond the Republicans in Congress how do you think that they're going to respond to this I mean it, and and if you want broaden it to the entire day or the entire week I mean if you're a Republican senator or a Republican representative and you're up for election, in 58 days, mind you, and you have this torrent of news where the leader of your party, a leader so omnipotent and so omnipresent that the Republican National Convention's platform was abandoned, not even produced, and all they put out was a letter that said, all hail President Trump, he's the greatest and we support him, and you have... Articles saying that the leader of that party, of your party, Republicans, are calling fallen soldiers losers and suckers, is instructing news outlets like the National Enquirer, I shouldn't even call it a news outlet, but a a magazine to produce uh, hit jobs, uh, has whistleblowers saying that he's that his government is trying to downplay efforts that are attacking the country, his Justice Department is interfering in stuff. Uh, and, you know, he knew about all this, the coronavirus, which has killed almost 200,000 people, and he didn't do anything about it. And you're in an election. How do you how do you think the Republicans are going to respond to this? Do you think they're going to keep doing what they've always been doing and they're just going to ride this bull until it bucks them? Or do you think do you think they're actually going to grow a spine at some point and say, you know what, I, I don't support all this stuff? No, I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to about face on this at all. I think what's happening right now is you see a 
Republican-led Congress who they've just abdicated any role they have in this government. They are actually not even governing as we speak. I mean, this was seen with the last stimulus that couldn't even get off the ground, so much so that it got kicked to Mnuchin and, um, and Trump to deal with, a, with the Democrats. They are at a crossroads right now of how to deal with the omnipresent machine that is the Trump administration. And they just don't know how to deal with it. They just don't want to deal with it or potentially a combination of both scenarios. I, I think they're, they're in such disarray. I think that they are just chasing their tails that they, I, I don't even think they know what to address, where to address, when to address. They're probably walking around their homes without their pants on because they just don't actually even know what the hell their party has turned into. Yeah, I think it's too late for most of them to break course unless, you know, I mean, maybe they do it locally. And I think they would only do that if they were in a district that was not primarily uh, overwhelmingly Republican. But if they have even a a 50-50 chance, um, they're going to ride the Trump train because the problem is the his supporters are diehard. So by denouncing him, you lose them. And that, you know, that's a, that's a risk that a lot of them are not willing to take, especially if they are going against on the other end a Democrat. So I think they're going to take the votes that they can get, um, however dirty they are and however maybe hopefully badly they feel about it. But no, I, I can't imagine unless they've already been coming out and saying things, I don't think it's going to change in the next 58 days. I think it's going to be radio silent from most of them, unfortunately. And then they'll try to, uh, they'll try to backpedal afterwards if they need to. For one second, can we just remind America who Chad Wolf is, please? Can we? Because I, I, I don't respect the man. I really, really don't as far as what he does for his job and as far as being plainly partisan in his um, responses to anything. So uh, that has to deal with this administration and his full on out support for the Trump administration. So for those that are wondering who this Chad Wolf guy is, well, he was the former chief of staff of Kristen Nielsen, right? who, and he himself was the architect of the Trump administration's family separation policy, which began in 2018. So he was the one who gave Trump the idea to rip little babies from the arms of, of migrant people coming into this country. So you guys know, I have a major issue with this story. I don't think it's being talked about enough. Um, if any of our listeners want further information on this, um, uh, the, the podcast Deconstructed with Mehdi Hassan did a fantabulous deep dive into this uh, subject, and it's called Trump Child Abuse Scandal. And uh, again, this man was the architect of this. This man is the one who is doing all of Trump's bidding from sending troops into Portland, from, from, uh, from you know, making this, this uh, low-level person uh, you know, go against his country and his job all yeah. at the behest of Trump. I mean, yeah. this is, this is shocking stuff. And Chad Wolf, and just so everyone knows the, part of the problem here 
which this ties back into the Senate Republicans and their abdication of responsibility is, you know, the Senate, as outlined in the Constitution, all you Republicans who don't listen to our podcast, but who claim and, you know, espouse to, you know, we need to honor the Constitution. The Senate's role is advise and consent. That's their role. They're supposed to advise the president and consent to his appointees for different department heads. President gets to choose who he wants in part, but the Senate has to approve him. Well, the Trump administration has chosen to just bypass that entirely. And what he does through a little known and rarely used mechanism where uh, what's called acting secretary or acting official uh, can remain in that position without consent from the Senate for a period of something like 200 days. And what as we all know, President Trump doesn't hang on to officials for more than 100 days in some instances. So what's 200 days? And he just doesn't ever put them forth for confirmation. He just puts them in charge as acting and lets them do whatever they want and then gets rid of them, puts another acting person in charge. Chad Wolf is one of those individuals. He is an acting secretary, which means he has not been um, consented. He's not been voted on by the, the Senate. He's not been put forward to be voted on. And what that means is he has little oversight and no responsibility to Congress. And all he does is is listen to President Trump, which is why you're seeing him do all of these things that are, you know, at best questionably legally, at worst, just outright against the law in what he's doing. But he's never had to be Put forward, and that's across the government. Chad Wolf is one example of it, but that's across the government. You have nothing but grifters and sycophants all across this uh, government, and the reason is is because they President Trump knows that they would never get approved through the Senate, even Republican senators, if if these people were put forward under a rigorous examination, like every other. They're not qualified. They're not qualified to be in these positions, and as a result, you're seeing just absolute chaos. And because of the cult-like dedication to the supreme leader, Donald Trump, within the Republican Party, they're protected because Republicans won't speak up against President Trump whatsoever. And we need to all remember what these Republican senators and representatives did and what they said and what they didn't say and what they didn't do. Because as soon as this is over and the tides start to shift, These Republicans will be the first people to stand up and act like, well, I never stood for this. I never did it. And we all need to hold them accountable for what they said and what they didn't say, because there comes a time in everyone's life where you have to stand up and be counted and say, what side of the of the line are you going to stand on? And they are clearly standing on the other line, on the other side with President Trump and everything he's doing. Um, and so we all need to remember that and hold them accountable. Do not let them squirm out of their responsibility for everything that's going on because they are just as culpable, and I would argue more culpable than even President Trump in some regards, because they could stop it. They have the power to stop it, and they've chosen not to. They've chosen to let him continue doing what he's doing. So I think, honestly, what keeps me positive and, and focused and, and, and working and not getting desperate or, or leading to any type of despair regarding the polling and, and, and everything is I kind of try to look at the fundamentals of the race, which is Trump is historically unpopular. Biden is far more 
strong and like liked than Hillary Clinton. There is no third party candidate. Democrats are exceedingly motivated to get out and vote against Trump. And those factors alone are huge advantages. And the Trump administration and the Trump campaign and Republicans in the national party know that. And that is why they're going down this road of scare the ever loving God out of white Republicans to try to generate that level of fear so that they will get out and vote. Because the reality is, is that Biden is just not that scary. He's just not this feeling of, Oh my God, we're going to, you know, we're going to lose everything because of Biden. radical left wing. I mean, I, that I think is one of the funniest things about like Biden's taking this far left, you know, like what? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't well, make any sense. I, well, that's where I think his 47 years of, of governmental service come in, because if he really wanted to bring down this country, I think he would have been working towards that from day one. So that's our show. Thank you to Agent 13 for our theme song. Please remember to rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We have 58 days left until Election Day. That's it. Less than two months, people. Let's get together and win this thing, please. Hope everyone's staying safe out there. Until next time, so long.